0: Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Happy Thursday! It's one of my favorite nights of the week, not only because I get to sit here and talk about Packers and the Bucks and the Brewers, but tomorrow's Friday and it's a great, great night. So, and and football's on tonight, and it should be a great matchup. But uh, on tonight, good evening, ladies and gentlemen out there. Welcome to Cut the BS. I am your host, Brandon. Of course, there is no BS without me, Brandon Snide. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Snide. Also, don't forget. To follow our network over on Game on Wisconsin at Game On WI. Uh, thank you guys very much for tuning in to another awesome episode here to put on a, a phenomenal show with you. Uh, very excited to have you guys tuning in. If you are on the live stream, good evening, happy Friday. Hope everyone out there is doing well. If you are listening on your smart device wherever you may be, I hope you are doing fantastic as well. And 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 tons to talk about. As I always say, it's an, an honor and privilege to be here talking about our favorite teams with you. And tonight I am joined. By a super, super, super special guest. He, if he he may not look familiar, it uh, may, <laughs> may look a little di- bit different, uh, but don't get it confused. Uh, he is an 11 year NFL veteran. He is a seven year Green Bay Packer. Uh, the left guard, Mike Wall. Mike, thank you so much uh, for for coming on to the show. Uh, how are you doing out there?
1: Yeah, I'm doing great. It's funny. I, I don't th- you know you don't think of yourself as as different, but uh, when I when I see the old pictures, it's, I'm 60 pounds different. So yeah, it's probably a lot of people don't recognize me.
0: That that is true. And if you're if you're watching on uh, YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter, uh, good evening. Uh, follow Mike over on Twitter at wall 68 I promise you, you will not regret it. Also, the host of Process to Perform podcast, Mike. Before you come on here and talk about the Packers and 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 you answer my questions, give me a little bit of insight on that on the on the podcast
1: yeah, so process to perform, it's a player development podcast for players, parents, and coaches. i um I work with uh, athletes from pros down to preteens working on on kind of the tool set that I think helps them become elite. And that's usually for me, mindset development, technical mastery, and ownership decisions, which are really just lifestyle choices in the best interests of future youth. So I have a separate platform that I kind of base everything off of, but that process to perform podcast, somebody wants to talk about, you know, the player development discussion and and all the things that go into kind of becoming the best version of you. And I really, it's not, it's, it's, it's a sports podcast, you know, clearly it's an athlete based podcast, but really it applies to everything in your life. So I've really enjoyed been doing it for the last couple of years. Enjoy it really gives me a way to kind of interact with the people that I work with and and kind of deliver messages across a larger, uh, larger base. That's incredible because I'm going through that, uh, in a
0: sense right now, my son is, he's going to be 13. So he's into the, uh, Mm -hmm. the football scene um you know traveling every weekend and practicing and weightlifting, and um it's i you know i've played football i've watched football mike and it it just seeing your kid like go through it it just it's so much more fun and and you get i get for me i get way more out of it i think you know having a a child in her than like watching you know you and brett Favre and mike flanagan and amon green and all those guys out there playing no offense to you at all of course
1: yeah. You know what? I, I have two kids. I have a 15 year old daughter and a 13 year old son. They're both soccer players and they're they're pretty competitive. And um, I have to tell you that I get more, you know, I, I was always, you know, it's because it's you, you worry about yourself, right? It's like before you have kids, you worry about mm-hmm. yourself. You worry, maybe you worry about your wife, but you guys can take care of yourselves as you're adults. When you get the kids, the whole world changes. And with these kids, I am like, I can tear the, I can tear the handles off the seat. You're like i like, you get so kind of excited <laughs> and amped up. Much more so than you did for yourself. I, I put a lot it more weight into like a 13-year-old soccer game than I than I did for the Green Bay <laughs> Packers, which is a little bit odd.
0: Um, speaking of those Green Bay Packers, it's no secret you played uh, 11 years throughout the NFL. You played seven at Lambeau Field. Um, you played with some great players, Mike. I mean, yeah. <laughs> obviously, Brett Favre is great. Amon Green, Mike Flanagan, you know, the list goes on and on. Outside of Brett Favre, and we'll talk about the current Packers in football, I mm-hmm. promise, but I gotta dive into it because I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna try not to aid you here, Mike, but I'm probably going to aid you. Um growing up, you Mike Flanagan, uh, Mark Tauscher, you guys are like my favorite players. I'm a trenches guy. So growing up as a kid, I was in you know in, intrigued with with the offensive line. So you guys were everybody loved Brett Favre, everybody loved. You know Robert Brooks, Antonio Freeman, all those guys. But
1: I knew we I, had like five fans, man. I'm glad you were one of them. <laughs>
0: I I was one of them, and then I <laughs> and I just wanted to let you know. But outside of Brett Favre, because uh, I that I would assume that might it might not be your your answer, but maybe it is. Who was the best player, like on any position oh. that you've ever
1: played with? So this, you, you won't. I, I, it wasn't Brett. It was, it okay. was Walter okay. So Jones. go ahead then. Yeah, go ahead. It was it was Walter Jones. Walter Jones, the okay. best player I've ever seen. Okay. Uh, Walter Jones, and I got him. It was interesting. I was my last year. I was in Seattle, and I, I had a bad shoulder, blah, blah, blah. But he would, that was probably his worst year because yeah. it was the year he had to retire. He had a bunch of injuries. And he was still, at that time, he was still the best player I'd ever seen in my life. I've just never seen a guy oh. as good at what he does as Walter Jones is. And then... On top of that, you start getting all the because you're in the building now and you're talking to Ek. You're talking to all like the equipment managers, the guy who's been around forever. You talk about these players who've been around forever, and you start hearing these stories. Hasselbeck was there, so I'm hearing the Hasselbeck, you know, telling me these stories. And when you talk about like how Deion Deion Sanders is in the media today, right? and They're talking about how good Deion was, and he'd had to like take it easy on people in practice. Walter Jones would literally take people's souls. He was <laughs> he was so good, like. If they had a first round draft pick or a high draft pick that was a defensive end or outside linebacker, after a while they couldn't even put him against Walter because Walter would just take all his confidence away because he never lost. He wow. just the guy. I've never seen anything like it, man. Like we played him in the uh, NFC Championship when I my first year in in Carolina. And I remember mm-hmm. he took Mike Rucker. Mike Rucker is an absolute unit. He is an yeah. absolute stud. He took Mike Rucker about thirty yards in the air. I mean, I just wow. again one of those things like you've never seen anything like it in your life. Walter is. He was just different. He was different in every way.
0: That's, that's incredible. I, you know, I knew, you know, I knew he was special. I know when you were there, it was kind of at, like you said, towards the tail end of his career. But um, if you could, you know, I, I met Brett Favre uh, actually this year, we were, I was at the game in October and I, and I met him, I got his autograph and and got my picture with him. He still is wild, Mike, and you probably know him more than, you know, obviously than I would know him. But, uh, he still is wild now. He was getting the crowd amped up uh over there at uh at Lambeau. Uh, do you have a, a favorite story that you can not get in trouble with? <laughs> or yeah, maybe a memory in the huddle, maybe a, a memory on the sideline. Uh yeah, everybody. I'll send has
1: my Brett own- Favre. Favre for you in in one in this one story. So <laughs> we're playing i think we're playing the detroit lions it's like a cold you know cold weather game we're, we're at home and um we're beating the brakes off them right so they have you remember alonzo Spellman? yes alonzo Spellman. yeah so you know he, he got he was a scary dude for a while i kind of bounced around a couple teams and whatnot yep. so he was like third team for detroit lions at the time and so i think amon got like a screen pass and we're all running down the field and throwing our blocks and not it's like a long run and like out of nowhere like brett comes out of nowhere, forty yards downfield. First of all, what quarterback's running forty yards downfield these days? Anyways, yeah, yeah. this dude runs four yards downfield and cuts Alonzo Spellman. Wow, and Alonzo Spellman like had bad knees. Like, I think that's why he retired. <laughs> so he cuts Alonzo Spellman. He's like talking to him and all this stuff. You know, back in the day, we could, you know, when the NFL was still fun, you talk trash and all this. And we get back to the huddle, man. And Alonzo Spellman's all of a sudden he's mad and like I don't care. I don't care what, how old he is or how hard he is. Now he's mad. It's like it all of a sudden got real. It was like the fourth quarter. I remember he was going up against Tauscher, and Tauscher's like, thanks a lot, buddy. <laughs> really appreciate it yeah, Brett, know. you know, And Brett's like, ah, you know, had to, be, <laughs> had to be done. That's the kind of guy he was, though, man. He's got no fear. I love that guy. Yeah. Taught- um, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, the, the thing I always tell people when they ask me about Brett that really stuck out to me is, is Brett taught me. And Brett and that whole group, Leroy, uh, Reggie White, obviously, Santana. Those are chewy, Frank. They, You know what they taught me is football is one of those games where you see a lot of manufactured emotion. I think at the base level because a lot of parents, a lot of players think Mm -hmm. they're going to get injured, right? It's a a game. It's a violent game. And so you manufacture this emotion to kind of keep up. It's like you're in that sympathetic fight-or-flight state all the time, Mm -hmm. right? And really, you operate better in like kind of that parasympic recovery state, right? So you're a lot calmer. Brett kind of taught you that if you prepare, you're confident, you're confident in your preparation – you don't have to manufacture emotion. You can go out there and have a good time. You can, you know, it's like we want to work hard, kick ass and have fun with our friends. And you can do all three things and just enjoy the hell out of it because you are you have that confidence of, of, you know, you're good. You put in the time to be good. You know what you, you know, the scheme, you know who you're playing. You have all of this. You're a master of your craft and you can just go out and have fun kicking ass. And that is a great feeling. And that was something that I didn't ha- I even have a concept of, I think, before I got here. That's uh that's interesting.
0: That's something I've I've never really. Well, I mean I'm, I'm I'm not necessarily that I didn't hear, but I've never heard a former player. I've talked to Frank Winters. I've talked to Leroy Butler. They've obviously Frank. Yeah, you know Frank has more than stories <laughs> than probably anybody. But um, couldn't get into a whole lot. But um, they never mentioned what you just mentioned, and that that's interesting. And that's something um that I'll that I'll have to remember uh going down the down the road when I when you talk about Brett Favre and you were on the field. You were at, you were in the at Lambo, I, I'm I, if I remember 2000. Um, and I this is a cool story because I was so happy before it was the Monday night game against the Vikings. He did what? Um, game with Antonio Freeman. Uh, and I was so excited because it was the first game that I can remember that my mom and dad let me stay up to watch, like past my bedtime on a school night. Mm-hmm. Walk me through that game, that moment, not really necessarily the game, the moment it, pouring rain out Lambo Field Monday night. Against the hated Vikings, did you think that was a catch? I mean, did
1: were you guys? Oh, all- Yeah, with Antonio. Yeah, yeah it was we- One of those things. It, it happened so fast, it, right? It's like you know, back in the day, so so. I grew up at Rim of the World High School, and so we had okay. um, some of our games were so foggy. We're up in the mountains, so some of the games were so foggy that it was like if it was a <laughs> maybe a questionable play, you just kind of pick up the ball and start running with it, right? So so I was I I always kind of assume like whether or not you're just going to run up and see what happens because. I don't even remember how, what the replay situation was at the time, but you, know, you might as well you try to get away with whatever you can get away with. But he was so confident in the fact that he caught that ball. But it, what an amazing play. I remember uh, John Randall was dead at his prime at that moment. Yep, so it's like you kind of sure remember all those games as a guard having to go against that. Oh, it was ridiculous. I can only imagine. I I, Ant- well, I, yeah, Antonio was an absolute stud, man. Antonio yeah, Freeman he, was an absolute stud. He's underappreciated.
0: He is. He's under. Well, not only is he underappreciated in the NFL, he's underappreciated in, in, in Packer fandom for sure. He's a guy that, that carried that receiver core for years. Um, looking at this Packer team, Mike, it's it's no secret. You know, obviously, anybody with a with a with a eyes and ears uh, all offseason has heard the Aaron Rodgers drama. Uh, you know, drafting the Jordan Love. What are the, What is Green Bay going to do at the quarterback position? Aaron Rodgers? Does he want to return? Draft night turned into a circus. It went. It spoiled into. Uh, the offseason, and then obviously Aaron Rodgers shows up to camp. Um, your thoughts on Brian Gutenkins, and I'm gonna, it's it's a very cut and dry question. Is general manager Brian Gutenkins a top three NFL GM?
1: <laughs> I mean, listen, here's the thing about any question that, that involves Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you don't really know how good your team is. He's he's made yeah. some good moves. There's no question about it you know, would your offense be better if they would have drafted more first round picks that Aaron wanted? Maybe, you know, yeah. but you really did. The, the problem is when you have a player who's, for, Aaron, for my money, Aaron Rodgers is the best, best quarterback I've ever seen. Yeah. And when you have a guy that's that good, I mean, it's, you know, it's, do you like Ferraris or Lamborghinis with, with him and Tom Brady? But, you know, when you have a guy that's <laughs> that good, it's like, it's like, you, you really don't know until you, go, you used to go watch Jordan Love play against the Chiefs and they drop like 13 points or whatever. Like, you don't really know what you have. Right. you know so I, it's hard to say how good, good I mean goody's done a really good job like I, if I was good I'd be really proud of myself um I don't know you know to rank him it's it's just hard for me because I you never really know what you have when you have such a singular talent as you do Aaron Rodgers. yeah
0: and then and, and he masks obviously a lot of deficiencies within a team as I'm sure any great player uh, can do but it's hard to it's hard to look past the, the job that that Brian has done I mean obviously if you take away the Jordan love, uh, pick, you know, obviously that's the, the, the mark on him right now as a general manager, that's going to be what people remember him as, you know, whether it's good or it's bad. Uh, and, and obviously how Aaron Rogers finishes out his career, that's how Brian Gutekiss is going to be remembered and may not be fair. It's probably not fair, but you look at what he's been able to do. And, and we're going to transition to the next is that offensive line, uh, Mike, yeah. and there's not a better person, to be talking about an offensive line than, than an 11 year uh, NFL veteran. And you talk about Royce Newman, you talk about Lucas Patrick, you talk about Josh Nyman, you talk about obviously Elton Jenkins is, uh, is her David Bakhtiari might be coming back. I mean, these are outside of Bakhtiari uh, you talk about Billy Turner and hopefully you see the uh, more Josh Myers. He was at practice today for the first time in weeks. Um, these are guys that Brian Gutekis has brought in. I think obviously yeah. credit can go to him for drafting him, but Adam Stenovich needs to be given a lot of credit. Uh just speak for a little bit on your thoughts on an offensive line Mike that has just been uh, playing musical chairs all year.
1: Yeah, I think it's well first of all, you know, with going back to Goody real quick, you know, bringing in Z and Preston Smith uh, a couple years ago, that really yeah. changed the culture of that locker room as it much did. as bringing in as, as much as the coaching staff and everything else I think. So, it, for for sure. if for nothing else, let's give him credit for that. Sure. Regarding this offensive line, you know, for them to be a for them not to be talked about during the game and they're missing four of <laughs> their starters is, is yeah. absolutely remarkable. And, and for me, you know, you have to, when you talk about building a team, you always hear the catchphrases are from general managers, from off, from coaches, I want, we're going to acquire and develop talent. It's like a cat, we're going to acquire and develop talent. Nobody really does it. There's only about half the teams in the league that develop talent, right? You always, the catchphrases after that is like, Oh, they got to learn our system. They got to learn how we do things. There's no words of development. Adam Stenevich has done an incredible job. Yeah. When you got four guys on the bench and Josh Myers, I know he's young. Josh Myers is going to be a player in this league for a long time. I wanted to ask he, you about him. So Bil- we'll, we'll come back to that. Go yeah, ahead. Bil- Billy Turner was a journeyman until he got here. Yep. Right. I was with Billy in Miami. I love the guy, but he was a journeyman. I think we did the Broncos after this. He yep. is a bona fide uh, Very, very good tackle in this league now. And obviously, Bakhtiari, for my money, is probably the best left tackle in the last five, seven years. You know, maybe him or Trent. Yep. And then Elgin Jenkins has just come in and been able to do everything. So you really have a lot of guys that are playing at high, high level. And then now you've got... John Runyon Jr., who I'm a big fan of. Yep. you got Yosh, who's been doing a really good job. And he kind of came out of nowhere. Really, is your third mm-hmm. tackle. He's playing is his, 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 out of his mind. And then you got Royce Newman, who's, who's – look, he's got a long ways to go. There's a lot of things he can improve on physically. But for a rookie to be where he's at, I mean, I just compared him to myself. He's, like, he's light years ahead of anything I was – where I was even close. And so you can tell that they're being developed. And for me, that's really a tip of the cap to uh, – obviously, bringing in the right personnel, but really a tip of the cap to Adam Sedovich because – I'll bet you there's – not to belittle anyone, but there's probably 20 or 30 Royce Newmans in the NFL. Yeah. And and he's doing so well is a testament to, obviously, his coaches in college, his parents and all of that, but also that Adam Sandovich is doing such a good job developing him.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. You know, I never really thought about it like that before. You When you talk about rookies, Mike, and you're coming into it in a complex system. I mean, it took Aaron Rodgers a year to kind of get this system – under control. And obviously the, 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 offensive line isn't necessarily, I think there's probably the second smartest group of, of, of players on the field, but maybe not to the Aaron Rogers level, but how difficult is it for a guy like a Josh Myers, like a Royce Newman, fourth round draft pick, second round draft pick to come in with, first off you're coming into what, what was a messy situation when they got drafted. Um, and now you turn around and you're blocking for, like you said, and like, I'll say, the greatest talent at the quarterback position we've ever seen. How difficult is that?
1: Well, I think the expectations and, and kind of the, the consequences of not doing your job are pretty heavy, right? But <laughs> on this, at the same time, you know, one thing that I that I think Rodgers and the jointly have to be given a lot of credit for is more often than not, this group has been put in a position to be successful and in the way that they call their plays and the tempo that they use. Um, and the way that Aaron Rodgers' ability to get rid of the ball, like we talked about it at length on uh, the um, the podcast I do with Amon Green on my block, mm-hmm. the pocket is fundamentally different than it used to be because people are out of shotgun now, right? So back in the day, you're under center a lot, you go five step drop, you probably plant your back foot at seven or eight yards. Now Aaron Rodgers is either getting one, two, three, and the ball's gone. There's literally no chance, even if he's at eight, that anybody's going to get to him because he's yeah. just he knows exactly. What, he knows what he's going to do, right? He's he's read everybody's mail. Now, when he does a five step drop, he's planting his foot at 11 yards. The pocket is completely different. It's more like a, a set. It's like looking at a smiley face with a guy that's just like kind of happy, right? It's not, a, it's not like the old you anymore. You don't have to worry about the width as much. So everybody can kind of set a little bit deeper and understand like there's, it's really, really hard to get bold eight yards, nine yards back. And so they – and Aaron, he can just – he's one of those guys like Kyler Murray. He can kind of take a couple steps further back if he has to and just make it happen. So it's like you go back to the Rams playoff game last year. In the first half, they threw like two five-step drops, and they were like, scat protection, get out of them quick. But you're running all of these you know, extended handoffs. You're running play-action pass. You're running three-step drops. You're running quick screens. You're running everything on time. And so they've had a chance to really be successful and then marry that with a running game where – they're not necessarily the best team in the world at at like single blocks mm-hmm. but they have the best blocking tight end in the league for the last 10 years Mercedes Lewis so yep. he's an absolute weapon they can really they're you know you look if you try to find a well coached team you look at two things can they execute on double teams which this team is really good on their double teams and can they pass off games and they're have they have been generally good on games patrick struggles a little bit but the rest of them are generally really good on games so they're just a very very well coached team and you know, again, my hats off to not only how they've been prepared, but also I think the play calling, and obviously having a quarterback like Aaron has a lot to do with it. Yeah,
0: it's it's a it's a good marriage, I think, for everybody. I want you touched on Josh Myers because that was uh, outside of T.J. Slayton. I told you, Mike, I'm a trenches guy. It's my it's my favorite thing in the world in football. I know everybody loves the quarterbacks, receivers, and running backs, but I love the trenches. And I was pumped up when the Packers selected Josh Myers in the second round. Now. Like like most Packer drafts, it came with a little bit of criticism because everybody thought that Creed Humphrey should have been this selection there in the second round. What are your overall thoughts? And I know we ha- we don't have a whole lot uh, of NFL game uh, film on the, the knee injury early
1: in October. What are what are your thoughts on on him as a as a prospect moving forward? Oh, I think I think you hit. Corey Lindsay. I mean, we're going to go watch Corey Lindsay on, uh, on the field right now after this. Right. He's playing for the Chargers. Like, I think you just got yeah. another one of him. I think he's that good. I think he has a potential to be that good. I, I was I was huge on Corey Lindsay about two years before he got paid here. I okay. thought he was I I did a great sheet on him and uh, comparing him with a couple other prospects. I, I said, I don't nobody's talking about this guy, but he's a, he's unbelievable. And uh, I think Myers is the same way, to be honest with you. I just think he has that kind of talent. And he says he certainly has that kind of presence. He has that kind of confidence. Aaron's got confidence in him, and you know when you when you find a guy like that, that can play the center position at a young age and kind of grow into it and be the leader of the line now for you know hopefully for a decade plus. I mean, I, I just think it's an absolute fine. And you know, all these guys, it's like everyone's an expert, right? But <laughs> Green Bay Packers have had since James. You know, I mean, our team with Beck. James Campen had a number of excellent offensive lines and linemen. You think about sitting, you think about TJ Lang, but TJ Lang's one of the most underrated guards in, in Packers history. It's ridiculous. And you, the Balaga, the first-round draft pick, I mean, they've yep. had some really, really good lines. And so, the, I mean, whatever they, they're doing up in the personnel department and the coaching staff as far as acquiring and developing talent, man, they're doing a great job. Did you see the uh, the special that – I think it
0: was NFL Films. I think it was – think it was the nfl films that they did on on james campman
1: and and aaron Rodgers narrated it and and oh my god it was so funny man i was i literally was like 9 30 at night and like you got <laughs> everyone's got a different i love camping right like i and, and but everyone's got a kind of a different perspective and relationship with everybody and so like yeah i turn it on i like on a 9 30 at fs1 i turn on campy sitting on the bench in green bay like crying to aaron yeah. He wants to go like walk through. And I, I called, I literally just called Flanagan immediately. I was like, dude, you got to turn the TV on and see this, man. Because <laughs> we knew him before. We knew him before he, he was like the assistant line coach, right? right. He was younger. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's different.
0: <laughs> Interesting. Um, moving on. Uh, the Packers did just beat the Chicago Bears. Shocker. I know. Um, throughout, uh, I don't know, 30 years now, Mike, yeah, really going back to, to your guys' day and do, uh, Aaron Rodgers and, and back to when Favre started, they own the Bears. Uh, I got to get your thoughts. You're a former player. You're a former guy that protected quarterbacks. When you heard Aaron Rodgers, and he was completely right, and he justified it, that telling the Chicago fans that he owned them or he still owned them, um, if you could just speak on that from a, another player's perspective on what that meant to you. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Was it hilarious? We all know yeah. it's true.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Like, the record kind of backs it up, right? Um, let's just make a general statement. Anytime – and I told you that story about him taking out Spellman before. So, he's kind of willing to get his <laughs> – Brett was willing to get his hands dirty. But anytime yep. a quarterback is, like, talking trash, everyone – you know, usually the rest of us kind of like, you don't do – literally – you have white gloves on, man. Take it easy. But <laughs> but what I what you got to love about Aaron is, like, he just – especially this year, it seems he's just willing to speak his mind. Yeah, and, for sure. And I think – when the Chicago, the I think the unfortunate thing is, and you saw it. Like, when did you know the game was over on Monday night? It was when Quinn got his first sack, and he did the double check. Like, you know, the game's over right there because they're focused on the wrong stuff. And so, you know, Aaron's a master of playing head games, and and he like he can say basically whatever he wants and it's not going to affect him it's going to affect these other people you know and, and you kind of got that feeling w- when they started doing going back to the double check and i think in 98 had a had a sack like next series and did the same thing and you just start realizing like they're worried about the wrong things and so i don't know if it was a message to them, mission to the fan base but you know i think it was mission accomplished in, in whatever his intentions were
0: yeah i don't know if you heard uh aj Dillon. he had some comments after the game um uh, the press, I think it was post, I think it was at his press conference, uh, ca- having the, the Chicago Bears were calling him soft. Have you ever seen, obviously we've seen guys like AJ Dillon, but how much would you love to block for a guy like AJ Dillon? Well,
1: I had him on, so I, I was pretty happy with him on too, right? Yeah, but yeah, I'm, not, AJ, well, I'm on was one I, of my favorites. Yeah. What I what I like about, so I didn't think at the beginning of the year, AJ Dillon wasn't running behind his pads. Okay. And he, and he is now. Yep, And you could see the change, right? And you could just see the way that he is embraced. A lot of times when you get a big running back, they don't want to be known as the big running back, right? right. They don't want to be known as the the dynamic playmaking breakaway running back. And I think he has owned what he is. He's understand what his role is on this team. And now he's running behind his pads. He's fighting for those extra yards. He's falling forward all the time. And so from an offensive lineman standpoint, either one of those. I mean, I love Aaron Jones, is one of my favorite running backs. Yeah. But playing with AJ Dillon in the cold in the playoffs, understanding that you're going to look across the field and see a ton of those guys like in front of the seat heaters going like the the space heaters doing this, <laughs> you know, and then knowing that like they got to go hit that unit in the fourth quarter when life is already sucks. I mean, you saw it in the Chicago game, man, like that, yeah. that team didn't even come up. They didn't really come out of the uh out of the locker room at halftime. I mean, that no. game was over. Yeah. And then they just start pounding AJ Dillon. He's getting five yards of carry and it's just, it's ugly. Right. So I, 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 love, I love that they have both guys now. I love, they kind of have different qualities, but they can both run hard. Like I don't want to say Aaron Jones is not a hard runner. He's just 200 pounds. So I I, I love that they have kind of different qualities and you can, you can use them and run the same things, but the defense has to stay on their toes because they have different looks.
0: Yeah, they're definitely, no, you're not wrong though. They're definitely different running backs. And I think that's what makes them special um i'm waiting for the pony package mike i want both of them on the field i know we've seen it a few times there was a goal line play yeah well, they
1: got that great where they'll they'll line up both and they'll they'll flash one out to the the, out to the uh pre-snap they'll take him out to the left and then they'll run the uh the the zone read off the backside defensive end and that play worked really well last year they've run it It a couple times this year yeah and you know it's just it's just it's kind of a a simple play for those guys especially when it's aaron jones because hitting him in the flat is is a guaranteed five so you know, they've got a lot of good, the scheme that the Packers run is, is super friendly for the offensive line, the running backs, the tight ends. And, you know, if anybody's got to work extra hard, it's probably Aaron and that's, you know, he's the smartest guy in the field. So no yeah, a, yeah, no, don't,
0: don't, no disagreeing out of me. Uh, moving on, uh, for those that are listening, uh, t- uh, chatting here with former Packers, uh, former Seahawks, former, uh, Panthers uh, offensive lineman Mike Wall. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Wall 68 Moving on, Mike, to the NFC race, and the Packers currently are the number one uh, seed in the NFC. They're COVID issues throughout the NFL. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on that in a little bit, but uh, just a broad question. How important, in your opinion, uh, now that fans are in the stands as opposed to last year where they were not, uh, or they were limited last year, how important do you think is the number one seed now the number one seed is the only uh, team that gets that bye week uh, going into the divisional round. Uh, in your opinion, how important is that number
1: one seed for the Packers? The number one seed is so important just because of that bye week, because that okay. just means that you need, you have to play one game to get to where you, you know, get to right. the championship game. And that, like, you can't put a price on that. Right. Um, you know, from a fan's perspective, Lambeau Field is a great place to play, and I think playing in the wintertime, if you get two home games, you know, you, I, I love our chances, obviously, because not a lot of teams are built to play in the cold. We clearly are now, especially with the addition of A.J. Dillon and what he yeah. adds to what we were just talking about. Yep. Um, we, I, You know, the tight ends that we have blocking, you know, Mercedes Lewis and being there, and I mean, like, we just really we're, – we're built for, for the cold-weather team. We can play in that environment with a lot of these teams. So you think about Arizona, Tampa Bay, like, I, I feel much better about us being here than us going there. Um, but that bye week is such a big deal because the fans, I believe it or not, Lambeau Field is a great place to play, but it's not the loudest stadium in the league, right? There's a lot of great energy and all oh, that's wonderful, but that weather condition, the field conditions, all of that kind of stuff that we're used to being in, it's just one less distraction you have to deal with.
0: I got to ask you real quick because you just said it, and it's not the loudest stadium. I think you've played in Seattle. Seattle's definitely louder. Uh, Kansas City's probably louder. Uh, Buffalo maybe. But, uh, but you mentioned playing at Lambeau Field, and I don't know if you heard um, the receiver Allen Robinson for the Chicago Bears. Uh, he was asked prior to the game, a couple, I think it was the Friday presser, uh, and he said, "There's you know playing at Lambeau Field. It's just something you dream about as a yeah. kid, uh, you know." And he obviously caught a lot of heat because he's a Chicago Bear. The Chicago media roasted him over, uh, you know, not saying the same thing for uh, Soldier Field. When players come to Lambeau Field, and I asked uh, MVS this a couple weeks ago, um, is the home field advantage players kind of getting sucked into the the aura and the in the historic uh, venue that it is? Because it is, I mean, it obviously you know it, I know it. People that uh,
1: have read a you know <laughs> eyes or it's ears, it's probably best It's the best stadium football. I mean, right. it's Yankee Stadium. It's the best stadium in football. It's the best place in in in, a, in the country to play. Uh, the only thing that even comes close to rivaling is probably Kansas city, just from like a historic right. standpoint. Yeah. There are ladder stadiums that the gosh, the Viking Vikings old Metrodome was the worst stadium to play. And it was, it was incredibly loud, but from an atmosphere standpoint, like I can only give you the perspective of a guy who oh, I know that it, I know that there is something to it. Like people look forward to coming to Lambeau and okay. they look forward to seeing all the pageantry and everything, but I can just give you the perspective of somebody who played there. And then we, I came back when we, when I was with the Panthers and, It was gut wrenching, man. I mean, it was absolutely gut wrenching to be in that stadium with those fans and that atmosphere, and knowing that like Carolina was a at the time, and especially before like pre Cam Newton, they were kind of more like an ACC basketball city. Yeah. So you didn't kind of quite have that fan base. They were good fans, but didn't quite have that fan. But you know, you don't have that fan base that you do in Lambo. So that experience is really second to none. Again, it is one of those places that it's a bucket list place to play. Certainly, if you're even if you're an opposing. uh, opposing team
0: well i mean i feel special because i'm talking to a former packer uh you should feel special mike because you're talking to a part owner now uh of the green bay packers so (laughs) i i bought the stock i don't care what people say it is going up on my wall and uh and and we'll we'll celebrate hopefully a super bowl but speaking of super bowls right away right off the bat is is this season a failure mike if they don't make or win the super bowl especially with the uncertainty with Aaron Rodgers.
1: Yeah. I mean, you you kind of think so. They, it it just seems like they're primed to make, they finally have a defense that is championship caliber. Right. And, and because of that, you, and you, the way that I, I can't, it's, it's tough to overstate how good Aaron Rodgers is. It really is. And and the level that he plays, the the pre-snap and the post-snap decisions that he makes are, I don't, I don't know if anybody's ever done it better. And so you're in a position where you have to be thinking with the weapons you have on offense, with the defense you have. I mean, if the special teams can just just get back up to, just strive for mediocrity right now, mm-hmm. just get back to average, then I think I think you have to look at it like it's Super Bowl or bust for sure.
0: Yeah, and that's, uh, that's the scary part, Mike, because obviously since, uh, what, 92, 93, it's always been... Uh, you know, get to the playoffs now. It's turned into you know, if you don't win the Super Bowl, uh, you know, thanks to, to Brett and, and Aaron for for the run that this organization has been on, primarily thanks to you know, those two around Wolf. Obviously, um, talking about this game, talking about the playoffs, we talked about the number one seed. Obviously, it's like you said, it's of importance. You have the home field advantage, you have the best quarterback, um, you're playing at a historic venue. But there's something that you can't plan for, Mike, and and obviously, thank God you guys didn't have to go through it. Unfortunately, we're going through it now as a society. How difficult is this f- with COVID? Now, obviously, I know the health uh, you know, if you're listening, I know it it, it it is detrimental to your health at times. Um, but when you're putting together a game plan, we saw it with Jordan Love, uh, I think it was a week 10, week nine, whatever, when Aaron Rodgers was out Wednesday, he tested positive. So, it, Matt LaFleur said it flipped everything, they had to you know, switch the game plan. They're installing the game plan Monday and Tuesday. Now you're, you know, playing musical chairs with starters that normally wouldn't be there. Um, Today, Kenny Clark uh, news breaks that Kenny Clark has tested positive or he's in COVID protocols, whatever that may be. Um, How difficult from a player's aspect is dealing with COVID? Because really, we don't know. I mean, I think they're being tested all the way up until the game, uh, hours before the game. I mean, how difficult is this?
1: It's got to be, it's got to make you anxious. And, you <laughs> yeah, know, you, exactly. you, you always, you know, I, you try, I try to, you know, think about things in terms of like stoic philosophy, you only control the things you can control. So just put everything else out of your mind. But, you know, as, as a coach, who's, you know, one thing you control is the preparation that you put in for your team. And then you know, all these moving parts. It's it's not like you're willing to just go and put in a vanilla offense or defense every week, and then just hope you know you, you have the right guys to execute. That's not what we're going to start doing. Is this is not like a Thursday game every week? In other words, right where you just kind of use last week's stuff and throw a couple of wrinkles and call it a day. But I think depending on the personnel that you have in key positions, that you know, like when Aaron Rodgers is out, obviously things have to change. You miss you're missing a, a tackle, and you're playing against. You know, T.J. Watt. Yeah, you might have to start chipping a little bit more. Like, there's, (laughs) there's those kind of in those kind of things you might have to put some consideration into, either from a preparation standpoint or then maybe just from a play call standpoint. Like, maybe some things go off your sheet, right? And that's why these guys, you got to understand. Like, if you look at those play sheets, especially on offense, they have they might have hundreds of plays on them, and they're running, I know, a handful of plays out of all these different personnel groups, formations, motions, etc., and so. When you start thinking about having to change everything, there's really I don't I think there's really a handful of plays that are like diametrically need to go off you know or be completely re- reworked because Billy Turner's out now and you're playing against a stud over there or you know like, you know let's say Devontae gets COVID and and now that changes the way that your first you know the, like those things aren't as dramatic as a position like quarterback I think when Aaron mm-hmm. goes out everything changes that's why I have no idea like what the uh the Cleveland Browns are going to do. I think they're missing like 20, what did I hear, 21 people or something like that. 22, I
0: think, or 23. Yeah. It's, it's, it, well, right before we went on, just I think like 15, 20 minutes, they had they a whole list of, of more players. Cleveland's dealing with it as well. I know the NFL is adamant uh, about marching forward and, and not missing any games. Do you foresee that becoming a change uh, in, 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 in canceling some of these games? Because I don't know how you can feel the team with, uh, you know, un- under you know, 40, 30 players.
1: Yeah. I think the, I think the number actually is like four, they have to find a way to get 48 people on the field. Okay. I think they came out and said something like that today. Yes. It's something like that. And you know, like there's, there's big checks being cashed every time that the the team shows up (laughs) to play. So, you know, we already know the owners don't really care about the players with the 17 game season and all this nonsense. So they're there. Everyone's in it for the money. I don't see them canceling any games. Yeah, I, they, they've as so far said, they're not going to even postpone games. Right. The only way that I can see them postpone, like, in other words, if the entire first team offense was was missing, but they could field an offense. They're not postponing that game. You just take the L. Like, it doesn't really because, you know, it's just like, like you know, when you know, when you have your first kid and it's like a Tuesday and it's the biggest day of your life. But for the nurse, it's just Tuesday. That's yeah. how the NFL feels about that. team. You know what I mean? That's how the NFL feels about that specific team. Like, they don't care. They just want to cash the check. That's so, a great analogy. <laughs> yeah. So I really, I really wouldn't think that, uh, I really wouldn't think they do any dramatic changes unless you literally could not field. There's like, there's literally no way you could field a team.
0: Yeah. Let's hope they can, uh, they can figure out. Well, they changed their protocols today, too. So now if a player lands on the, on the COVID list, uh, if they are vaccinated, if they test negative just one time within yeah. that same day, now they can play. So,
1: That kind of Um, proves the point, though, right? Like exactly, they made made it easier to get back. Yeah, it's it's, it's, exactly the whole thing's a joke. They're they're it's like throwing darts at a moving target, man. It's it's it's, some of the things that we do for being such a huge organization, you know, the National Football League, the huge organizations and everything. Some some of the ways that we go about business. I mean, we don't even want to talk about Urban Meyer getting hired in the first place. It's like (laughs) some of the things we do. You're like, how, how does this even? How is this all real? Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's something else. I, and you
0: know, credit to these these leagues. I know it's a, I know they're kind of a mess, but um, it's it, you know, dealing with obviously the health departments, the CDC, and all that. I can't even imagine to uh, to want to do that. Um, real quick before we we wrap up, the uh, the Green Bay Packers do travel out to uh, Baltimore. I was mm-hmm. mad that they flex this out because Mike. I think every game should be played at noon. I hate <sighs> late games. I hate night games. I hate Monday night games. I don't know how you feel. Um, Packers head over to Baltimore. We're not sure if we're going to get Lamar Jackson. I would assume he's probably not going to play. Uh, maybe, I don't know. They're, I think they're currently the number one seed in the AFC uh, sitting at eight and five, but, um, thoughts heading into Baltimore. Do you like the chances? How do you feel?
1: Yeah. Well, listen, it, 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 all hinges really on is Lamar Jackson going to play right. or not? because they don't, they, they you know, to go, I think Jim Harbaugh and his staff, you know, we always talk about offensive gurus and all these geniuses. And then you look at a guy like Jim Harbaugh, or maybe Josh McDaniels, and Bill Belichick that actually change game plans and change offenses based on their personnel, like really change it, like do wholesale change because Lamar Jackson's a, one of a, you know once in a generation athlete. But the problem is, you know, the the is it Tyler Huntley who's coming yep. up next? Yep. Yeah, he's not quite Lamar Jackson. Right? They're not going to no. have the same kind of output, and they don't really have the same kind of offense. Like they can't necessarily run. Well, we, They can't go run the Packers' offense next week because because Lamar Jackson's out there. So I think they're going to have a hard time scoring points. I don't like hearing that Kenny Clark's out. You know, I think that's, yeah. that's a real shame. Yeah. He's playing it. He's a pro bowler this year, or, you know, I, 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 I really don't know what I'm talking about. But on offense, we should be able to score points on those guys. I think the key to the game as far as offensively is, you know, they have uh, they have really big guys up front. <clears throat> Whether you're talking about Clayus Campbell, we're talking about Brandon Williams. Um, I know that uh, Justin Houston's there now. Um, and then they got uh, Tyus Bowers playing on the other side, and they've been beating the and their first round draft pick. the The outside backers have been beating the breaks out of off of tight ends to the point where, like Cleveland, spent half the game in, uh, in it was six offensive linemen. So it comes down. We have Mercedes Lewis, so he can he's he's like a teach tape guy on, on on defensive ends, outside linebackers. But if we can't play in those kind of personnel packages, we might have to spread the game out more. And the good news is, I think. those big guys in the middle they don't generate a great pass rush so i think we can score bottom line i think we can score points on these guys just a question of you know we're gonna get lamar jackson or not
0: let me ask you real quick about when you say lamar jackson or not uh do you think they're better with lamar jackson with that ankle injury because obviously what he does uh with his legs uh really nobody else does it and in the way that he does it if he's 70 let's say and that's probably being a little too high are they better though? Because I don't know if I don't know if that's true. Because his playmaking ability is outside of the pocket. Now, obviously, he can make throws and he can uh, put the ball where it needs to be play, uh, put. But he really excels, Mike, outside of that pocket. So even if he does play and he's 70 percent, maybe eighty uh, percent. I know those probably are a little bit too high. But are they truly better? Do you think?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because he, okay. he's he's got he's got real quality in his throwing ability, and I, I know he's had a couple of bad games recently. Yeah. But and you gotta remember, go back to the beginning of the season, man. He was the MVP, you know, leading candidate for a reason. And it wasn't just his legs. Like he was he was throwing dimes out there. He's got yeah. a real quality uh, to the way he's been delivering the ball over the course of the entire season. And I think he's come you know, right now it just looks like he's looking at Mark Andrews too often, right? Like mm-hmm. you need to start kind of spreading the ball around a little bit more. But the threat of what he's capable of is enough to change your game plan. That's right. Fair. Like yeah, yeah so point. so as a point as opposed to Like you put the second team quarterback on any team in like you should, you should never lose. You really should never lose a game. (laughs) Maybe Nick Foles back in, you know, that one run, you should really never lose a game. Um,
0: Real quick before we go. And this will be the last thing I ask you. I promise. Uh, Final score prediction. Who do
1: you got and why? Uh, Packers Ravens of the game tonight? Packers Ravens? Packers Ravens. Yeah, that's a good question. So, God, I think the Packers are going to probably, it's going to be a little bit lower scoring game. Um, I don't know, 27 17, something like that. Okay. Back yeah, see it. 27. Baltimore's just yeah. one of
0: those weird teams. You know, you obviously you don't see them very often. So uh, you're, you're traveling out there. Uh, it's definitely going to be
1: uh, one of those weird scoring games. Well, uh, it's one of those games that, so the thing that's been weird about Baltimore and, and Green Bay hasn't had to do this. The, one of the reasons that Green Bay's defense has been so good this year is because they can generate, like you watch against the Bears, they can generate a pass rush with four people, right? Like you, like Gary's almost game plan worthy, right? As a defender, now got, people are going to have to actually start game planning him. Preston Smith is playing out of his, you know, playing really, really well. Kenny Clark, like I said, he's a game changer, and even you know Dean Lowry can push the pocket, so you can generate pass rush with four guys. That's a, that's kind of a, a different way to have to play. But when you look at why is Lamar Jackson struggled like so mightily since the Miami game? it's because Miami was going zero blitz, like, you know, for the entire second half and he couldn't pick it up. Like he couldn't make that adjustment, not here, but their team couldn't do anything with it. So what he struggles at, we really don't do that much. It would be interesting yeah. to see from that Good standpoint, point. you know, is it, is it even, you know, is it worth us just sitting back playing that two shell and, and, and you know, I dare you to run 12, 15 plays on us. You know, I don't know how that plays out. Yeah. I'm with you. I think,
0: uh I think the Packers win. I don't think it matters who's that quarterback. Obviously if, if uh, uh, Lamar Jackson is gone um, that, and you know, improves the the Packers chances in my opinion. But I think even if Lamar Jackson was playing and was healthy, I just, I like this Packers team. They're gritty going on the road. They've gone on the road all <laughs> with the first, what, eight week, nine weeks of the season. They were on the road for like seven of them, uh, winning most of them. I just, I like them. I like that the, they're winning games differently this year. It's not relying on Aaron Rodgers's arm so much. The defense is, is doing their part. Um, before we go, before I close out of this and we, you know, go our own ways, Mike, uh, on the block podcast, process to perform podcasts. Tell people yeah. where they can listen to that from.
1: Yeah, you can check out either of those, uh, anywhere you find your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So the the on my block one we just started doing this year with uh, the Believe Network, Amon Green okay. and I. Oh, okay. We, okay. Yeah, we hit that, we hit that after every Packers game. It's usually out on a Tuesday. If you're into that kind of, you know, listen, we we digress a lot into some like old head talk, and we we do a lot of pro analysis on the game. I, I think it's a good podcast. We're, we, we've been having a lot of fun with it, and then again, that player development podcast I do on my blog. If anybody's interested in that discussion, I think you'll really, uh, I think you'll really enjoy that one as well. And uh, again, you can find that on iTunes, Spotify,
0: iHeartRadio. And if you guys are not following uh, Mike, I promise you, you, you must uh, check him out on Twitter at Mike Wall sixty eight. That's M I K E W A. H L E 68. Um, that's it for guys. That's it for the show guys. I know we talked about a whole bunch of stuff, Mike. We talked about, (laughs) we talked about a bunch of stuff. I thank you, uh, for your time. I know you're an extremely busy person. You got a lot going on. Um, I appreciate you. Thank you so much, uh, for giving me a couple minutes of your time. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you guys. And, and like I said, guys, follow him on Twitter. That'll do it for today's show. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Snide. And also don't forget to follow Game on Wisconsin on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube. I think we're on TikTok. I'm not sure. Uh, either way, you can search <laughs> for it, uh, at Game on WI. Thank you, guys. Remember, all sports, all Wisconsin. I hope all of you have a great Friday. I hope you have a great weekend, and I will talk to you guys later. Go Pack go.